Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. We explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields. I'm the guy behind Westminster Effects. You can buy pedals at westminstereffects.com. Make your make your guitar sound good. And you can join in the discussion, the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. And remember, comment on the show post in the lounge and be entered into a book giveaway. You'll see more details there. Uh, but you can't do it if you don't join. So go ahead and join. Uh, you can also support the show at anchor.fm. Make sure you subscribe and comment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In person, I'm joined by... Hey, folks. It's Bradley Cox, pastor of Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. <laughs> you all, you kind of tripped over that. I so. did. I stumbled. <laughs> Harkening back to the old days. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and via the interwebs by... Hey everybody, John Ross here, Westminster Effects Artist, Augsburgian Christian, not quite lifelong Nebraskan from Lincoln, Nebraska. <laughs> do, do you have ridiculous amounts of snow there like they have in the Northeast? Like uh, I know you had a, a decent amount last week. Yeah, so last week's snowfall was the most that we've gotten in like a 24-hour period, which um, I think total accumulation or total average was like 16, 17, 18 inches, somewhere in there. Um, in like, in like one 24 hour period. Um, and we haven't really gotten anything since, but it's, it's been cold now in in the winter, Nebraska goes, uh, back and forth between, uh, kind of hot and cold cycles, even daily, uh, Mm -hmm. throughout the winter. And so where that really causes a problem is that you have some melt off, and then Refreeze. before the water oh, has yeah. a chance to evaporate, we have refreeze, which is why our roads are so bad, honestly. Mm. It's because the, the water gets into the cracks, refreezes at night, cracks them open, the plows come back through next snowfall and just peels up the, the pavement. Good um, times. But yeah, so, I mean, it, it's not going anywhere quick. I mean, there's still, uh, pr- there's still probably, now that it's you know, started to melt and compact a little bit, it's probably about 10, 12 inches. No, thank you. Yeah. So, so we're cool. get we're supposed to get like single digit lows on Monday. Yeah, it's Monday this, morning. Yeah, I'm yeah. not looking forward to that. <clears throat> I've enjoyed our relatively mild winter so far. Yeah, me too. And, and we just uh, brought a, a guy on staff from New Hampshire. He's brought the cold with him. He yeah, just started last week. <laughs> we might need to rethink this arrangement. Um, I'm just kidding. He's he's a good guy. He's great. In my limited interactions with him, but uh, Bradley, yeah, take take it away. Uh, I didn't have any ideas for <laughs> for uh, for what we're gonna do. So you're like, I got an idea. Let's do this thing. It'd be interesting to see what our listenership is when when it's my idea, not yours. We'll, right. we'll compare. Right. You know, we we like to be competitive with each other. Pulitzer <laughs> Prize incoming. <laughs> All right, so I'll give a little bit of context. Um, it, when I started, in, actually, when I was in college, the, the last couple of years of my college years, um, there was a man that was brought in to speak at the college at our convocation. We, I was at a Christian college, and uh, his name was Tony Miller, <clears throat> and uh, he came and and spoke. And we were we were kind of awed and wowed by his, you know, his, his ability to speak uh, and preach and teach. He was just a an, an incredible communicator, um, very passionate and, um, kind of a larger than life personality. Um, and he, after he spoke, he took, I don't know, half a dozen of us school of Christian ministry students out to lunch and just spent a couple of hours with us. Um, he's an incredibly relational guy. And what came out of that was about a, I don't know, a 10 to 12 year relationship that was, really a catalyst for me in terms of getting into full-time local church ministry and um, mentored me and pastored me through um, getting married, becoming a husband, becoming a father. Um, He came to visit us in the hospital when my son was born and, um, you know, just, just a huge influence in my life. And then um, this, just a little over a week ago, he passed away um, and it's led me to reflect a lot on his impact on my life. And as I was sharing with you guys before we hit the record button, this guy was a prolific speaker. 
you know, he pastored a large church in Oklahoma City, um, but he traveled the world, literally traveled the world and spoke to thousands upon thousands of people. But that's not the measure of his ministry and, and his ministry impact. The measure is really the relationships that he had with people like me. Um, like I told you guys, you know, when I was close to him, I might get two hours with him a year, but he somehow made those two hours feel like enough. Yeah. And it's just got me really stewing on the importance of and the, the potential of a relational focus in ministry that, that, you know, I, I remember he used to say, and this sounds a little charismatic key. This sounds a little, when I say this, you guys might go, ah, but, but I think there's, there's some truth to it. See, I used to say your gift will be given away to the masses, but your life will be given away to the few. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think there's some truth to that. I think that, you know, the measure of, or, or I think the greatest impact that I will have, for example, in ministry is going to come not via the, the amount of content Mm-hmm. that I deliver from the pulpit. And that, that is, that is way dumbing that down. I mean, you guys know that I believe wholeheartedly in the the power of the spirit and the gift of teaching and what the Holy Spirit's doing in the moment of preaching, I think is unique and powerful and supernatural. And I believe all of that, but um, what I do on the platform is, is I don't think it's going to be what's talked about at my funeral. Mm. What's talked about at my funeral is going to be my relationship with Cody, mm-hmm. my relationship with Stephen and Ethan and my children. And, and mm. you know, what's funny is like at his funeral this past week, all of the thousands of people that had heard this man speak behind a microphone, what was talked about for a four hour funeral, which is, which is redonkulous. <laughs> okay. Insane. I mean, I, it, it you need was, a lunch break in the middle of that. I mean, it was four hours, but it, it, it I, I can say this. There were moments where my ADD was kicking in and I was getting fidgety. I, I will not deny that. But for the most part, I was engaged because it was story after story of how he showed up at the hospital. He, um, you know, was there when, when I got married, he was there, uh, when my first child was born, he was there, you know, he, it, it was all about the small moments and the small settings and, and to think about how this guy did this with so many people was just challenging to me. So all that to say relational ministry, like do we, you know, I have a tendency to think about the tasks of ministry and, you know, we, we, we talk, I'm sure a lot of our audience are worship leaders um, involved in worship teams. And there's a lot of focus on um, getting, you know, getting the songs down, getting the sound right, getting the equipment right, getting the gear right, buying the pedals. We need to buy the pedals. We got to keep Westminster effects Please rolling buy the here. Pedals. Please buy the pedals. But it's, you know, the people we're playing with, mm-hmm. the people we're leading worship with, the people we're connected to, the people that the Lord has put in our life. And how are we stewarding that? That's That's a question that I'm asking myself right now is, you know, how, how well am I stewarding my relationships? Cause they matter because you can, you know, you can get more money. Uh, you can get, you, you lose a job, you can find another job. Um, but a true friend is precious. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like a, you know, a, a close friend is precious. And so I don't know, I, I could say a whole lot more, but I'll just tee that up and let you guys weigh in on that is, mm how well are we thinking about our friendships? Because I think they matter in terms of the kingdom. Go for it, John. It looks like you you're stewing on something. Uh, reflecting uh, mostly, um, you know, the first thing uh, that I'll, that I'll say is uh, uh, nail on the head with your comments regarding, uh, you know, the worship team specifically, but uh, that, those comments are are not obviously relegated to just that one subset uh, mm-hmm. or that one small group. Uh, but in general, 
those of us who serve in the church almost always will serve on a, a team of some sort, whether it be the the worship band or communion prep or the usher team or something like that. I mean, we're alongside the same people every week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's let's take a step back and 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 really uh, ask ourselves are are we investing in those other people while we're investing in in this this act of service that that we're doing mm. um, you know i think that's a uh, that's a consciousness we need to have uh, when we walk with others even if it is walking with them in service uh and, and and certainly more so those that that are close friends, those who who have been uh, given to us in our lives to to walk through the challenges of life together. Uh, and I'm uh, you know, as you were speaking, I was reflecting on on lots of things. Whereas in rehearsal or after after a worship service, I'll you know I'll compliment and give musical critique and feedback and be like, Hey, you were really great today. Thank you so much. And, and really being intentional about thanking them for being there. Mm -hmm. But on a, and, and, and honestly, I think worship teams do this in general too, is, is where uh, there's always intentionality about thanking them for their service, thanking them for practicing, thanking them mm-hmm. for being there, for investing the time, for being early, for so on and so forth. But when I ask myself this question, I, I, I don't really have a great answer. Is that when was the last time that you invested personally in others for the for the investment in that relationship? You know, it's. When were you intentional about them as a person, not them as a keyboard mm-hmm. player, or them as a bass player, or or them as an usher, or them as a greeter, or them <clears throat> as an elder, or or whatever it may be? Um, I I think in in many ways uh, we, it, you know, almost in the same cognitive space that so many people will identify uh, themselves, will claim their self identity in what they do. You know, I'm an engineer. I'm a uh, I'm a truck driver. I'm 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 a worship leader. Uh, you know, they they'll they'll get a certain bit of self identity and self image from those things that we do. I think that those of us on the other side uh, are guilty of that as well. You know, I think that we see somebody and we can be intentional and we can and and invest in them through the eyes of something that they do, but I think the challenge and, and really maybe some vulnerability and, and some real emotional connection uh, comes in when we invest in them as a person. And, and that thought is certainly convicting uh, to me uh, because while I care deeply for everyone, uh, you know, just on the worship team example again, for everyone on the worship team, when was the last time that uh, I specifically cared for them, intentionally cared for them as an individual, as a uh, as as a brother or sister uh, in Christ? Uh, and it's kind of a sobering thought, honestly. Um, well, you know, it, yeah. here's what's true for all of us, I think. Um, most of my interactions are prompted by and revolve around some sort of task that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bradley... Which is, which is typical for men. That's, that's typical yeah. for men, but ladies too. Yeah. But Bradley, John, and Cody are not sitting here right now because we want just because we want to spend time together. Right, we're here because we're recording a podcast, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so on my calendar today I have co- podcast with Cody, um, and John. So after this, I've got four or five other things on my agenda, and mm-hmm. it's really hard for me right now to just be present with the two of you mm-hmm. because my I'm what I what would be very easy for me to do is focus on this podcast and getting it done so I can go on to the next thing. This is, and I've, I've been sharing this at church the last couple of weeks here and there is that 
I, I have a tendency to just want to think about the next thing. And I see it in my children. And this is one of the reasons why it's prompted me to think about this is that, you know, a couple of times recently we're sitting down to have dinner as a family or whatever we're doing. And my son is asking, what are we going to do after this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've been telling him, bud, don't worry about what we're going to do after this. Focus on what we're doing right now. Be present in the moment. And that's something that I am struggling with myself and I want to grow in because, you know, this podcast might get listened to by two, 200 people, let's say. I think that those were the mm-hmm. stats you were giving me last night. 200 people or so are going to listen to this podcast and it will make some level of impact. Um, but you, the three of us have done how many together? This is 132. 132 episodes. Mm-hmm. 132 times the three of us have sat down together um, and talked for an hour about life and about ministry and about, mm-hmm. and, you know, like there's going to come a day where the three of us are going to look back on this hour that we devoted to this and we're going to, we're going to relish not so much the hundred however many hundreds of episodes we end up doing, we're going to relish the time we sat here and we talked about relationships when we talked about reckless love, when we talked about, (laughs) you know, when we, we, we wrestled with things and it had a personal impact on us. Yeah. That's what matters. And when you get to rehearsal, it's like, I, you know, you've, you've, you've set aside those two hours to rehearse with the team that you lead worship with. Mm -hmm. And how easy is it to just get focused on, let's get this rehearsal done Yes. Sunday morning. Yes. I'm here with these people for these five, six, seven, eight, nine. How many people on your team? I'm here with these nine, ten people for two hours. Ten people. What are you, Hillsong? Yeah, you know. Good. He's he's, he's including the the media people too. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. I I don't even count. So, I mean, I'm here for two hours with these people and. Let's 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 soak every every ounce of sweet. Uh, honey out of that well that's know. that's something that our particular worship team has has done really well is is we've had this emphasis on showing up prepared right and obviously that's going to help streamline things but it also makes more room for when uh well this is every week now when steven wants to look through a psalm before we get to play mm-hmm. right or uh leaving room for more prayer requests at the end where we can, we, we have more time to actually delve into detail when that's needed. Mm-hmm. Right. Or even in the middle of, of practicing, if, if we need to laugh about something, <laughs> we're, we're not super pressed for time. Like sure. Uh, whether, whether it's uh, I mean, it could be, you know, just something like we need to work through it. And, and then we're also learning each other's personalities and how we respond to correction or whatever better. Right. Uh, but then there's the inevitable screw ups. Uh, and some of them are really funny and we just need to chuckle at them, mm-hmm. you know, and, and all of those uh, have a cumulative effect on everyone. Right. Yeah, definitely. The, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad to, I'm glad to hear that, uh, you know, that you have, uh, and, and if someone would have asked, Hey, what do you suppose Reza's rehearsals look like? I would have probably answered that. And I probably would have been right. Um, but I'm glad to hear that there's, there's at least the opportunity, uh, for, uh, some time to dive into scripture, some time to be amongst each other. Bradley, your comments about living in the moment are so true. I mean, you see it in the, I absolutely see it in my children as well. And I see it in myself, uh, where when we're so task focused, well, you're always looking at the next thing on the list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we can't invest in others. We can't be intentional in, in relationships if we're not in the moment in which that relationship is, is transpiring. Yeah. And, and then Cody, to, to your point, you know, that's something that, that we're working towards. Um, we've uh, within just the last year and a half uh, we've started. Uh, it used to be rehearsal was, at six thirty, once everyone's there, we just start. Um, right now, it's six thirty is prayer time on stage, mm-hmm. and we gather and we pray. Then we, you know, then we have some time to discuss 
with, uh, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, introduce uh, a, a new member or talk through a service format or, or something like that. But we, you know, we start with prayer at rehearsal, which is not something that had been done in the past. And, and that has made so much of a difference. I mean, obviously, uh, time for prayer will make a difference. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, but it also has a, a relational effect where it's not everyone rushes in the door, gets their stuff ready, straps up, pick in hand, microphone with batteries, ears in, ready to go, downbeat at 630. And it's like we've all showed up. We've all done what we need to do to get ready. And we're waiting there as an individual to play music as an individual alongside other individuals that the sound guy will make us sound like we're, we're in, we're a team, you know, being in a band, going with the current example, being in a band or being in a team or a group or a board of directors or what have you being in some sort of organized group is not just being in the same space, doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That you know, that's that's working by yourself alongside one another. That's not working together. Working together is taking the sum total of what everyone adds to and and subtracts from the team, and working those together uh, in light of and in spite of one another to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And if we don't take time to recognize that we are, in fact, with other people, we're never going to be able to to do these things together with other people, just only with yep. them. Yeah. Yep. And you know that it kind of helps. Like we, I don't know if we brought it up yet because I'm scatterbrained. I'm having trouble being present. Right. And it's early. <laughs> I'm already violating everything we're talking about. It's 1030, Cody Fields, Judas Priest. <laughs> this, this is spoken from a guy who has no children. This yeah, is, this I'm is not a is. morning person. I'm not a morning person. It's not morning, though. Like It, it, it says a.m. They're not even serving brunch anymore. <laughs> <laughs> brunch is a robbery of a meal. But It's anyway, solidly midday. Anyways, uh, continue. But, you know... There's a sense in which every relationship or friendship is seasonal because ultimately we all die. So there's at least that season, Mm -hmm. but it it helps whatever team you're on. And we've been, you know, harping on the worship team uh, thing because that's kind of our thing. Uh, It helps when you actually stick around. (laughs) <laughs> when when people have known each other for a while so true uh like so true. here at res uh the vast majority of the people who play in our band have been around for at least four or five years yeah um there there are some who have who have come around uh within the last couple of years uh but most of us have gotten to know each other's tendencies Yep. Uh, because we've been around for a while mm. and but if you're if you're church hopping if if you know for whatever reason good bad and different uh you you end up changing your church every year or two or three then one you can't put down roots mm. well really that's my only point you can't put down roots <laughs> <laughs> uh and, and there's no there's no real stability and then that's when what you were talking about, John, like you become an individual who is mm-hmm. who is doing his thing with a bunch of other individuals doing their things. Yeah, you know, to the, to that point, and it's not just putting down roots, it's being able to walk and grow with a congregation. Yeah. You know, it's putting down roots, getting those relational ties uh is is certainly something that just won't happen if if you peace out every year for whatever reason. Yeah. Um but when you have a church home, not only do you develop those relationships alongside mm-hmm. yourself, you know, but you also grow together with the congregation where you walk together through, uh, uh, through a letter of Paul. You walk together through a, a finance series. Uh, you walk together through a movie series, if that's your thing. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, uh, 
which, oh, by the way, our children's series this year, which always is a thing, are not movies. Hey, movies. congratulations. congratulations. First one is on, is, is the illustration is Lego, building your house upon the rock on the foundation of scripture. It's tasty stuff. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. Anyways, allegory. Uh, but if, if you're going all over the place, especially if it's a church that doesn't like use the pericope, uh, which is a fancy word for the lectionary, which is a fancy word for somehow working through the Bible in a year or three years. Um, if, if you're not going to a church that, that does that, and that's perfectly fine. I mean, it's not required. Sometimes it's not even useful. Sometimes it is. It uh, depends on the congregation. Regardless, if you're not there, you're not going to be able to walk through the whole counsel of God with them. Yep. You know, if you start, if you hop between places, it's like changing the channel and uh, you you end up with the same commercial on every channel and you just can't get past <laughs> until you get back to the channel that you were at. And then you've missed half of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, does it, I mean, that's like, does anyone watch real TV anymore? Like, are there still commercials? I don't yeah, I was know. I was gonna ask. Does anybody actually? Watch I assume TV? so. I well, but yeah, you're you're exactly right. And um, longevity is, I think it's essential for us. And yep. you know, having roots is something that you know it's almost novel now it's 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 you know we have like these sentimental feelings about roots because nobody mm-hmm. really has any mm-hmm. and you know when you stick at a place for a long time you not only go through the bible together and and certain series together and stages of life but you you go through the complexities of relationship together yeah and if you don't experience that ever then I, you miss out on the joy of deep friendship. Mm-hmm. This guy that um, I, I was talking about that passed away, I, you know, I remember him saying all the time that your true friends are people that are willing to bear your reproach. Mm-hmm. And he would always say, he would always say that, you know, I can be a friend to you no matter what, as long as you don't force me to agree with you on everything. You know, and I I watched him walk through moral failures with other pastors and remain their friends. Yeah. Because he had he had the whole grace and truth thing. You know, he was he was walking that out. You know, he could he could he could be loyal, bear someone's reproach, sometimes at the expense of, you know, criticism on himself. But I never saw him compromise on anything. You know, he, he wouldn't compromise on war- morals to re- remain a friend, but he would walk, lock arms with somebody and walk through mm-hmm. the tragic consequences of sin, especially for somebody in ministry. I mean, we all know um, that it, you there are certain things that if a pastor does it, you know, your, your career in ministry is probably going to be over. Right. And and in some cases, rightfully so. But for to see him walk through those kinds of things with other people, because you know, and to me, it just—I mean, do we even know what loyalty is anymore? Mm-hmm. Do we do? You know, you have the, at the first hint of I don't get my way or something offends me, I, I bail and go to another yep. church. I mean, we we've done 130 some episodes. And how many times have we talked about, it feels like at least two, maybe three or four, of what, it, what it looks like to leave a church. What are the right reasons to leave a church? Mm-hmm. And, and, but what are the right reasons to stay, yeah. even when there's reproach that needs to be uh, born? I mean, like that, that to me is something that um, you, you just don't get. And, you know, I, I, I hope and pray that, you know, between Cody Fields and I, at some point there're going to be there're going to be moments where we we might adamantly disagree with each other on something and it might be important but i i would hope that a french obviously it can't be on anything like you know if i start you know backing off the virgin birth or something that's different but if you know if we, <laughs> if we um 
if we agree disagree on something that that our friendship and our loyalty would be able to mm-hmm. bear that because mm-hmm. this is what matters right i mean at the end of the day the the impact of my life and cody's life and john's life is going to be the people that we walked and journeyed with the longest i think yeah i think a good uh comparison or uh analogy is kind of the current political situation where you know with the whole election results not being overturned, there were people swearing off the Republican party as having totally capitulated to liberalism. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like, well, take a step back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Even if you disagree with their decision, does that mean that you should just jettison the entire framework of what, of what they're arguing for? Right. And, mm. and maybe so, <laughs> maybe it, it, maybe it is that bad for some, but, Probably not. Uh, most most of life isn't built around uh, drama, right? Most of life is pretty normal, mm. right? Mm. Even when you disagree, it, you know it's one hundred percent. I mean, if if you peace out every time, I mean, like you said, Bradley, like when you don't get your way, or mm. or when there's uh, when there's trouble, or when there's conflict, uh, and and you leave. And this isn't just longevity in, in an institution like like a local congregation, but longevity in relationship. I mean, if mm-hmm. if there's disagreement or tumult and and you just whoop, get out of there, uh, you'll you'll never you'll never strengthen certainly that relationship, but you'll never strengthen and mature in your own concepts of, of what relationship is with your own understanding of relationship. Mm-hmm. When we don't, when we don't have an understanding of an earthly relationship, how can we begin to claim that we have an understanding of our relationship with our father in heaven? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, kind of wrapping this, this topic down, it seems, but um, in, in the light of, of struggle and difficulty and, and challenge uh, reconciliation is something that's not often uh, spoken of um, this, yep. this ministry of reconciliation with one another and, and not just uh, the father reconciling us to himself through Christ, but reconciling us to one another through the love that he shows us through Christ. Yep. And if, if we let our, our sinful human nature saying, Yoda, get out because this this makes you uncomfortable We'll, we'll never grow. We'll never understand. We'll never be able to grasp the beauty that God brings us back to himself through Christ. Last thing I would say about all this, you know, if, if somebody goes and Googles Tony, Tony Miller or YouTube's him, you're going to find tons of content. Um, and what you're going to quickly discover, particularly people that listen to this podcast is that, you know, he, he dabbled, too much for my comfort in the waters of hyper charismatic um, church and word of faith theology. And therefore for the last 10 years, I've been very distant from him. Um, But it doesn't, it doesn't negate. And this is the thing that I've been kind of stewing on a good bit is that it doesn't negate the impact of his life on my life because of the love and the care and the, the great counsel and the great wisdom um, and, and the times where he was very faithful to the scripture and taught well, it doesn't negate all of that impact in my life that was really about his friendship more so than it was about what he taught. And yes, yeah. I had to distance myself in my church from him uh, in fact, you know, there. This is maybe for another day. I can tell the whole story, but there was actually a time where I brought him in to teach here, and then I corrected him the next Sunday. Right. Um. And and I did that with utmost respect for him, and uh, but also realizing that God had given me a church to stu- to shepherd, and I'm responsible for it, and yep. and there was no way I was going to let what I felt like was bad teaching, um, you know, influence the congregation that the Lord's given me to steward. So I, I, I understand 
what it's like to, you know, we talk about longevity and roots and working through conflict and all that kind of stuff. I, I lived that out with this man and he lived it out with me. Um, and still at the end of his life, I'm going, Jesus, thank you for Tony Miller because he made a huge impact on Bradley. And yeah. I think, yeah, there's nuance and tension there, but it, it's, it's worth, it's worth all of that to me. Good stuff. Let's move on to the Inquisition, shall we? Sure. Let's do it. And this is the Inquisition where you, the listener, get to contribute to the show. And that happens literally every time we get on here. And that's via a weekly post in the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. First question, as is tradition, this is from Brian Morris. He asks, if Josh Scott were to allow you to use one of his pedals in his pedal collection, what would it be? No. For those of you listening who may not know, Josh Scott is the uh, founder and owner of JHS Pedals out of uh, Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, yeah, I didn't know who that was. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he he also has probably the largest uh, effects pedal collection um, uh, in the world. So, Bradley, um, here's yeah. here's his collection via an Instagram post from Sixty Cycle Home. Good grief. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that, that looks like it looks like a dream. <laughs> and uh, but you know, I, I will say that Josh is a good steward of this collection. He he shares yeah. the he shares the storage and or not the storage, the, the stories and the facts and oh uh, with with others. Uh, and, uh, and so it's, it's not a collector where everything just stays in a box and like, Oh, I have all this stuff. He, he shares, uh, his, his knowledge and his passion of this, uh, with others. Um, sometimes, uh, usurping, uh, the superiority of his own equipment. So, uh, he, he will flat out say, is like, Hey, I build this thing, but this is way better. And, uh, and can he play? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. He can play. I have I have more respect for people. If you got that many pedals, you better be able to play. Yeah, check out I'll the JHS you show on YouTube. It, it's it's uh, it's pretty good. But he's he's trying to document guitar mm-hmm. pedal history, oh, okay. and and he'll right. even he'll even find like some obscure line from the seventies or eighties or whatever, and he'll get all of like yep. every pedal in that line, and he'll even try to get the box and the manual. And he the has the box. Yep. Yeah, and th- that's a thing on on there too okay. for those who aren't familiar. All right, I and, just get uh, I get skeptical of people with a lot of pedals and or a lot of you, you should be <laughs> because a lot of times you got you got a you got a ton of equipment and very little chops. No, no, he's he is a he's a quality player. Um, okay, good man. Yeah. That, so I yeah. am I am so being kind of a history dork in general. I I, <laughs> I just I just like seeing the old historical stuff that really influenced the industry. Mm. So stuff like vintage electroharmonics stuff, vintage sure. MXR stuff. I still love MXR stuff, um, which may may surprise a lot of people. But maybe maybe something like a vintage MXR analog chorus. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, that that bucket brigade luscious sound. Um, yeah. Or, or maybe like a like an old script, uh, Phase ninety. Oh sure, um, you just can't go wrong with that stuff. I know, I know that's not like the most adventurous uh, answer, but well, mine mine wouldn't be either. Mine would be a Boss CE one, the original oh, cor- yeah. the original chorus ensemble, the circuit taken from the Roland JC one twenty. That would be, I mean. It it's just chorus chorus goodness. <laughs> Bradley's over here laughing at us. Yeah. No, I'm just like I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it sounds you might as well be speaking German. Yeah, think of a Roland MX4 2000. They, they didn't make <laughs> one of those, Bradley. Yeah, uh, they didn't well, make that. Well, here's a question a from Casey pedal. Starnes that you may be able to answer: Why are <laughs> shrimp gray when they're frozen, but pink when they're cooked? I, I don't have a chemical answer for that. But that's my assumption is that it's just chemical. There's, there, yeah. But it's man, it's, it's like when you there. overcook a steak and it turns brown. Mm. Right? Yeah. That's one of, that's one of cooked, those like... Cooked beef is not brown in color. It's, <laughs> listen, I, I, I want to say this. I have never 
smoked weed in my life. Okay. <laughs> Congratulations. I don't but, like, well, but where, that, where are we going is, here? I do that not. Is, that, free base cocaine. <laughs> yeah. But that is one of those questions where, uh, based on pe- how people have described to me what smoking <laughs> weed is like, that's one of those questions you want to have. You want to smoke a doobie and talk about, dude, why are shrimp gray when they <laughs> 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 oh, that is eligible I mean, the, for uh, the, for the quote section. Yeah, right? I don't know. <laughs> I, I think the simple answer is because God wanted to give us an easy way to tell when they're done. Yeah, there, there you go. go. The kindness of the Lord. Yeah. Yes. I'm with you. Next question. And dude, you got to tell me how to pronounce your name because you've never corrected me. You just told me I'm wrong. Ferenc Zendley says, if a tree is dr- judged by its, by its fruit, how can the ministry of Joel Osteen and his ilk or even the Roman Catholic church bear good fruit in light of their teachings. And he says he has a friend whose faith actually benefited by reading an Osteen book. So thinking of, you know, stuff like the Roman Catholic church, well, they do some, some outreach, some, you know, feeding poor people, Osteen's church. uh, I think they do a decent amount of marital counseling and stuff like that. So kind of getting at, driving at that angle. Mm. I think this is what I would say. And I I don't, I'll just say, I I think the key issue is, do you have the right God and do you have the right savior? Yep. All right. Um, I don't think we're at the point. Maybe we are for, maybe some people are that we would say Joel Osteen has the wrong Jesus or the wrong God. Yes. You think he does? Yeah, there's a there's a clip of uh, Victoria Osteen in one of their services saying that before Jesus' baptism, he was only a man. And then when he was baptized, God put his spirit on him. So it's like that adoptionism heresy. So. Yeah, which I guess sort of borders on kind of Mormon theology in a way. Um, kind of, sort of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, there, there, at least you could find a, a path there, maybe not a direct line. Right. But is she saying that out of just theological ignorance right. biblical ignorance or is she really pr- trying to promote a heretical thing about christ like right. like a oneness right. a oneness person is mm. is is genuinely trying to promote heresy right and they 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 try to root that in scripture she might just be miss misspeaking sure out of ignorance because she's sure. you know but it, so that's where i would say it, it's possible Maybe or maybe not for Joel Osteen, but certainly for the Roman Catholic Church. I mm-hmm. think the Roman Catholic Church has the right God. I Absolutely. just think I think that they they have a lot in between uh, that is problematic. And mm-hmm. so I think someone can be Roman Catholic and be genuinely saved. It's just a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there could be fruit on the vine because there they you know Paul. This is not I wouldn't quite root all of this in this text, but Paul says you know some preach for selfish gain, but I'm just thankful that at the end of the day, Christ is exalted. Christ is proclaimed. So if Christ is proclaimed, the word of God is going to bear fruit and increase wherever it goes, even Mm -hmm. if it's surrounded by things that aren't. Yeah. Bradley, I I like the way you said the Roman Catholic bit has stuff in between, has stuff in the middle Mm -hmm. that you've got to get through. It's like they preach Christ crucified but there's no there's a thicket in the way. Mm-hmm. Yep. I I don't know and I would love to see an example of him doing so. I don't know if I've seen Osteen or others um preach Christ crucified. Mhm. That, that's a really good that's a, really that's, good a point. that's a legitimate question about yeah. Osteen. And I I, I haven't know. listened to enough of him to even make that call, but yeah. Um yeah, like we would all agree that there are people in the Roman Catholic Church or at Lakewood who are legitimate Christians. Absolutely. But it would mm-hmm. absolutely be in spite of those churches' teachings, right? The lion's share of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you know, for what is it? I've seen Joel Osteen do it and I can't I can't quote it, but there's there's a little spiel he gives at the end of every sermon mm-hmm. that is and uh, to, to even say it's an elementary gospel proclamation mm-hmm. would be, you know, a bit um, 
I don't know, giving him the benefit of the doubt. But yeah. it, 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 nonetheless, I think he says something at the end of his messages about Jesus dying for your sins. Mm-hmm. And um, if you confess him as Lord, we believe you've been born again, something like that. He mm-hmm. does at the end of every sermon. That's, you know, so it, to say that at the end of a sermon that might be entirely heretical. Yeah. Could be. I'm not saying it is. It could be enough truth enough of lifting jesus up Mm -hmm. that there's some fruit on the vine you know reminds me my my favorite dr seuss book is the lorax and i just got an image of you know the barren wasteland and one truffula tree i don't know if you guys are familiar with the lorax at all it's been Not a really. minute. Not uh, really. I'll 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 let uh, I'll let our listeners chew on that one for a bit. But um, yeah, the uh, the imagery there only makes sense if if you know the uh, if you know the story. But um, yeah, I mean, think of a barren wasteland and one just one sign of life, or the Martian, right? With uh, uh, with Matt Damon, when he plants his potatoes, he has the one little sprig. Mm. Mm. The one little leaf that grows up. That Sorry, I, I can't think of Matt Damon without thinking about Team America. Matt Damon. Matt yeah. Damon. <laughs> yeah. All right. You know, you know, like, I mean, I just want to be clear. I everybody knows Benny Hinn. Mm-hmm. Right, Benny Hinn's ministry is a dumpster fire in so many ways. Yep. But I saw an interview years and years ago where uh, someone asked him, like, what, what, is, what is the essence of what your ministry is about? And he said, this is what he said, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And hmm. so, again, could we ask serious questions about whether or not that's true? Hmm. Uh, you certainly. But I'm just saying, if someone like Benny Hinn, even with all of the garbage, um, does have a desire to exalt and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, the name above every name, the name to which every knee will one day bow and confess every, everyone, mm-hmm. then there could be some fruit, but that doesn't justify all the wrong. Right. I'm mm-hmm. just saying it's an explanation for why there could be some fruit on the vine. Right. That's the essence of the question. Right. Uh, next question, also from Ferenc, which study Bible is best? Which just, I got I got to go there. It, it kind of sounds like which bear is best, but. <laughs> kind of bear Black bear is best. Um, I'm a big fan of the Ligonier uh, Reformation study Bible. Just the sheer amount of resources they, they pack into that thing. It's awesome. I would also concur like my wife has the ESV study Bible, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is good. I think the commentary at the bottom is good yep. for the most part. Um, Who publishes the ESV one? Usually, I think it's Crossways or Lifeway. Lifeway or Crossway, one of those. I'm not that sure. ESV on your table right there says Crossway. But that's not a study Bible. Right. Um, but the, 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 the Ligonier... The commentary is minimal. It's enough, but it's minimal. And I, right. I just, I don't like when there's so much commentary on the same page with the inspired text. Mm-hmm. Our eyes tend to fall to the mm-hmm. bottom rather than the top, and yep. that's where I, I, I think study Bibles you have you should be a little bit careful with them. And but I like Ligonier because the commentary is just enough, not too much. ESV sometimes has a little too min, too much. Mm-hmm there uh, i uh you know i've the only two i've ever i've ever well i i shouldn't say that i've i've got i've got other study bibles but the only two i've ever actually used were the zondervan niv which was pretty much mm-hmm. the same as the concordia niv back in the day um, but the uh, the concordia uh, study bible the the esv edition thereof is is my go-to um, published by Concordia Publishing House. It's a Lutheran publishing house. Um, I don't have experience with uh, with the others. Um, I, I do have uh, I do have an apologetics uh, study Bible up there uh, and and a few others. But um, yeah, the uh, the Concordia has always been my my go to. 
Good stuff. Last question. Matthew Winter is coming at me for being post mill in 2021. <laughs> he says, how does censorship, cancel culture, silencing of the word, a uh, command to not preach the gospel fit into hashtag that post mill. And why are you wrong about it? One, I'm not wrong about it, <laughs> uh, but none of these things are new. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for one, no one has actually silenced the preaching of the word in, in the Western world. So that is important to, to distinguish. Uh, but I actually prepared a little bit of an answer. Uh, those things fit into dat post mill the same way the bubonic plague killing half of Europe, the rise of the papacy and the Soviet Union do. And Jesus is putting all of those under his feet. There you go. <laughs> we just got a Cody shrug for all those who. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, here, here's the thing. If you just go ahead and come over to the optimistic A mill, you don't even have to explain yourself. It all fits perfectly and neatly. But you still have to uh, you still have to explain the optimism. The optimism of in all those things Christ will be proclaimed and more and more people will come to the knowledge of faith even as yeah. we suffer in all this. Yeah. And, that and we don't have totally to agree. we don't have to take over and head towards some you post-mill utopia on the way to the return of Christ, you know, we can, we can, uh, yeah, yeah. we won't get into all that. But yeah. Optimistic. Yeah. Amen. You're, you're allowed to be wrong. Do, 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 <laughs> come over to the, 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 from the dark side to <laughs> join Sam storms and I good grief. Hey everybody. Thank you for listening uh, to the episode. <laughs> like comment, subscribe, share the show on <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, podcasts, uh, and uh, make sure you join the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. Do some uh, do some extra uh, marketing evangelism for the, there for us, and, and be entered to win in a monthly book giveaway. There's more information in the podcast lounge. Just request membership. Uh, but uh, yeah, for uh, for Cody and Bradley, I'm John. Thanks for listening. <laughs>